If you were here last week, you will remember, well, you might remember, uh, that we are beginning a new series uh, looking at spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and I put up three uh, passages uh, and uh, talked about them a little bit. And basically, what I did was to introduce the uh, sermon series uh, and said, I believe that there are, well, there's a whole variety of different gifts of the Spirit. But for the sake of uh, argument, put them in two categories. There's those that we are born with when we're made in God's image. He fills us up with some of the gifts that he wants to give us, the skills that we have, our personality and our character. And there's those gifts that he gives that are kind of more... Uh, supernatural if you like, those that he gives maybe for a specific time, purpose or place. And we're going to go through uh, and we're going to take what's sometimes known as the fivefold ministry, uh, which comes from Ephesians. I don't think I would want to limit God to five or to any number. Um, I think he can do whatever he wants because he is God. But we're given examples uh, of different gifts and different Uh, peoples and characters and the first we're going to look at is apostles but just to remind you in uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 it says this it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers and he didn't just do it for no reason he did it to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we weren't just made in God's image. We weren't just given gifts so that we could go, well, aren't I great? Or isn't God great? Because look how great he made me, or you. I mean, I'd probably choose one of you rather than me, but... He didn't choose them. He didn't give us gifts for ourselves. He gives them so that we can build one another up. So that we can use them for gifts of service. So that we can encourage one another. Now if I was to ask you if the first one of these gifts is apostle, if I said, what does it mean to be an apostle? I wonder what you might say. Now, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to let you ponder it for a moment as you go, yeah. Because <laughs> there were like the 12 disciples, and then Judas did what he did, and then at some point they became the apostles. And they're generally known as the 12 apostles. Now, some people refer to them to the, as the 12 apostles from day one. Some people, they're disciples, and then they become apostles. What does it mean to be an apostle? You've probably heard. You might have read the Bible and gone, oh yeah, the 12 apostles, they're apostles, that's fine. If you go to other denominations, particularly Pentecostal denominations, they will talk about apostles. They will have apostles in their churches and it's kind of a title that is used. And they're revered. We don't tend to do that. We go, oh yeah, well there were the 12 disciples and they became apostles and then there's a few others, like Paul, he wasn't one of the 12, but he was an apostle. Well, what does that mean? 
I'm hoping that I'll be able to help you. Okay? And if I can't, then we'll cover it again at some point. And I'll go away and I'll do some more research. I once heard somebody talking about apostles. And they, they took each of the five, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and they said, if I wasn't a Christian, this is still how I'm made. And so this is the sort of person I would be regardless of whether I'm a Christian or not, because this is how God has made me. And they used the example, the example they used is a bit old now, but they used the people, the explorers that went and, if you like, found or discovered, on behalf of Europeans, the Americas. So there was a bunch of people that went over there and they, they kind of went, oh, well, it's nice here. Now, we won't go into the politics of whether they did that in a good way or a bad way, but they went over, that's what they did. And then others heard how nice it was over in the Americas and they went, well, we'll go as well. And they followed. And then they settled. And then once there were settlements, what would have happened is there were some people that went, right, now we've well, we arrived, I don't know, in what is now New York or along that coast. We know the bits around us. wonder what's over there. What's over the other side? And so there were people that went and they trekked. And they went, not in nice cars that they might use now, not on trains. They went by foot or with horse or mule or whatever. And they trekked across the United States. And as they found different things, words will have got back, and they say, found this new thing. And so people would follow. When they discovered gold in America, and there was a big gold rush and that sort of thing, there would have been people that went there first and found it. The apostles are the sorts of people that like new things. They see what's going on. So you might see what's going on in church, or in the town, or with technology, or on the media, or whatever, and you... There's those people, we might call them, we might call them entrepreneurs now. Possibly. That might be a good kind of way of describing them. They kind of see what's going on in the world. And there's something about them that goes, yeah, it's alright. But have we thought about doing this? And they want to do that kind of new thing? Some of you might think, that sounds a bit like you, Rich. Because you don't sit still. And now we've started and things have changed in church and you what, there's a new and there's something's happening. Since I've been here, there have been various new things. Hopefully it's been at a pace that people can mostly keep up with. If it was me on my own, I would have raced off. Because I need everybody else with the other gifts to hold me back. But once I start doing something, I then go, what's next? So, for example, we've started doing a coffee morning here on a Friday morning, which runs at the same time that parents come with their newborn babies. And I think, right, we've started that up now. What's next? I want to crack on. I want to do the next thing. It hasn't really bedded in yet. It, we haven't got a, a nice team that runs it and take, take an ownership of it and is doing it so that actually that I can step back and go, great, look, it's happening, and I can pop in and out and whatever. It, we'll get there. Possibly, hopefully, if it's the right thing to do. But I'm already thinking about what's next. I'm thinking about this church in five or ten years' time. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. Now you might be thinking, I can't cope with that. If you ask my wife 
about what life is like with me at home. I'm not thinking about what should we do today. I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool if... And I've got ideas about all sorts of weird and wonderful, exciting things that we could do. My wife would like to just be settled and stay in one place and have a nice, easy life, as she might put it. That's fine. She has got a different set of gifts, which is a relief, because we would clash if we had the same ones. There were a lot of people around when Jesus walked the earth. Lots of them. But there were only 12 that followed. And if you go back to the beginning of the Gospels, you read that when Jesus called them, they dropped their nets and immediately followed. Now, some of you might look at that and think, they were mad. Why on earth would... No, if you've got a job and you're fishing, you need to let people know and you've got a plan for it. Maybe I could follow... I could have been a disciple if I'd given a year's notice. Because I need to plan things. I need to let my dad know what's going on. I've got to let, uh, sort out the rent on the house. I've got to do this. And, and my mum's ill, so I've just got to support her for a while. And I've got friends, and they're not around for very long. So I want to support my friends, because they'll be going to uni soon. And so after all those things, I'll follow and I'll drop everything. It's not kind of a dropping. It's more of a placing down gradually. The reason that the 12 disciples or apostles are like that and they just drop stuff, it's partly their personality type said, yes, this. They had a sense of what was going on and they wanted that adventure. Not everybody would have followed. In fact, lots of people tried and gave up. That's okay. We need apostles because we need the people who go, do you know what, I can see that if we don't change, if we don't do this, then we won't be here and we won't exist. We need the apostles to say, do you know what? I am aware, and I mentioned it about a year ago, have we budgeted for what happens if the boiler breaks? And I was reassured that we look after the boiler and we have the annual service and inspection, and, and fine, that's great. But boilers only have a certain lifespan. That's just the way it is. So I said, have we budgeted? Are we ready for when that happens? We weren't sure that we had. Okay. We received a warning in the last little few weeks that we might be getting to, we need to keep an eye on our boiler now because it might be on its way out, so we might need to get a new one. Now, people, some people might have thought about it. The people that are the kind of apostle type that are going, right, what's going on? You can see what's in this building. Okay. What happens if the boiler breaks? Now, a lot of you wouldn't have thought about the boiler got no reason to. Somebody who is of that apostle nature goes, what happens if? And looks at opportunities and threats. So you start to go, okay, it's not prophetic, they're not getting an inspired like, how did they know? They just go, okay, so what's going on in the area? The boiler's been in for 20 years, at some point it's going to break. Hmm, logical, but that's the sort of way that the apostle thinks. The apostles in the Bibles, in the Bibles, in the Bible, there's only one, don't get worried. If you look through Acts, I put up, I was trying to choose a reading that would satisfy my preaching today. And I just started reading Acts, going, there's going to be a passage in here somewhere that just encompasses what needs to be said about the apostles. 
And by the time I got to chapter 5, I thought, I need to read it all. You need to read chapter five, uh, chapters 1 to 5, because you need to read it to get it, to understand it. I'm not going to read it all to you. You can do that in your own time, and I encourage you to do that. The apostles were all different. And yet, they were all there at the start. So, it doesn't surprise me when I think like that, that actually on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came... They're, all, they're kind of waiting in anticipation for the next thing. I can imagine Peter had very itchy feet because he's been in a room praying for 40 days, knowing that Jesus is alive, having seen the ascension, and then in chapter 1 it's like, and then Jesus is taken up before their very eyes, and the angel or somebody appears and said, what are you doing here? Go back to where you said. And so they go to an upper room and they, there's teaching and things. I can imagine Peter's desperate to get out. And he's going, oh, come on, already. And there's others going, yeah, no, there's a plan and we've got, to, we've got to wait. So they pray and they teach one another. So there's teaching going on in there as well. There's praying going on in there. Then the Holy Spirit comes in um, chapter 2 and Peter and the others, doesn't say it was just Peter, they all went out and people thought they were drunk because they were speaking different languages. If you've ever met somebody drunk, if they suddenly are able to speak a different language, I've never come across that. It doesn't happen. You speak no language, as far as I am aware. But then it's Peter, as their kind of leader at this point, gets up and he speaks. So he's got some other gifting that he's got that is about speaking. But they're all there and they go out. And then as you go through, in, they meet together uh, in one another's houses. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So the apostles weren't just apostles, they were also doing teaching. So the way that I think is what's happening next, what's going on, I'm thinking about what preaching series I might do in September, not my preaching series that's currently going on. Because of the way that my mind works, because of the way that God has made me. Others of you will think in different ways, and we'll look at that in future weeks. So the way that I teach is from a kind of, I want to move forward. That's where it comes from. I, I want to see the potential that, that God has for this church achieved. Because that's what comes out. Not all of you will have that. Then you've got um, Peter uh, and John. They're going up to the temple to pray. And then there's, uh, it described here as a man crippled from birth. And they, he asked for silver and gold because that's what they would have done. And they said, we haven't got any. Sorry about that. But what we've got, we give you. And then suddenly this guy's healed. So they have, they're not only, uh, they're not only apostles, they're not only able to teach, they also have a gift of healing. Now, whether that healing gift stayed with them the whole time or not, and just had, as soon as somebody got healed, everyone was running up and touching them and getting healed, I don't know. But for that time in that place, God worked through them and supernaturally healed them, the guy that was crippled. I've prayed for people, and they haven't been healed. I've prayed for other people, and I've witnessed healing. Not very often, and usually it's when there's a whole bunch of us praying and it's not just me. I could tell you the story of the girl from the church I used to be at who had um, 
chronic fatigue, and she'd basically been in bed for two years. And she was kind of, she'd finished high school, was university age, so 18, 19, two years pretty much in bed that whole time. Um, but was committed to her faith, although she had her struggles. And one day, she said, I think God wants to heal me. What do I do? And so her mum phoned the pastor of the church, and the pastor of the church went over and went up to her bedroom and said, well, let me pray with you. And he prayed, and he said, yeah, I think God wants to heal you too. When you're ready, come downstairs. And he got up and he went downstairs, and he had a coffee, or whatever he drank. And left her lying in bed going, what? What? I've been in bed for two years. No, uh, hmm. And it was then up to her to trust in God, to get out of bed and go down the stairs. And she got up, she went down the stairs. She was at church on the Sunday for the first time in years. It was wonderful. I know other people with chronic fatigue who've been prayed for that have not been healed. I don't know why some people are healed in certain times and others are not. I don't know why God chooses in a certain moment to work through one person and suddenly give them the gift of healing. He's got his purposes. But there's these two different types of gifts that people are given. There's the the bit that makes you you, but still in the image of God. The bit that makes me me is that kind of apostolist... Yeah, that one. That's just the way I think. It's the way I do things. It doesn't matter what it is. If I'm thinking about what we should have for dinner, I want to find something new. I want to try new foods. Other people go, no, I just want the same. It's just the way we're made up. And what we need to be able to do as a church is to allow each of us to be who God has made us to be. And not try, I don't need you all to try and be forward-thinking apostle types. Because we'd all be racing off in different directions. But if you are that type, and you'll know, and you're kind of going, oh, yeah, I always like to try new food. If we have a choice of going on holiday, I want to go somewhere I've not been before. I don't want to go back to the same place. It's nice, but if we do, I want to find a new thing there. If we're going for a day out, I want to find a new day out to go on. It's just something about how God has made me. And then occasionally, God does some incredible things and I get to witness amazing things and I find myself saying something to someone or praying for someone and maybe they're healed or comforted or something. I've said things where I go, I have no idea where those words came from. And the miraculous happens. Throughout Acts, you can read about the apostles prophesying. We're going to talk about prophecy at another point. But that that a word of knowledge that you could have not got from anywhere else. I've had that maybe once or twice, and it's been amazing where I've been going, I just started saying this thing to someone. I didn't even realise I had the words in me. And it was apparently the right thing for that person right in that right moment. I don't know why or how. And there's other moments where I've prayed, God, please give me the words to say to this person. And I think... Please! No. (laughs) No, got nothing. I don't know why with some of that. Some of it, sometimes it bugs me. Sometimes I go, okay, I've got to just understand 
that God will work all things for his good at his time. And maybe it wasn't right for me, maybe it wasn't right for the other person. I don't know. But I'd love to see like Emma, for example, who doesn't realise what an impact she made of her preaching. I don't know whether preaching's Emma's thing or not, but if there's something in that, I want to build it up. But I don't want Emma to preach like me. Because if she preaches like me, you'll all think, that's weird. I want Emma to preach like Emma, as God has made Emma to be. It doesn't have to be as long as me, you'll be relieved. It doesn't have to be anything like me. It needs to be in the way that God has made her. And if Peter or Wendy or one of you who's never preached or led a service before was to get up here and preach or lead, that you would do it as you are. And there might be a joyous moment where something supernatural happens. Great. And that's what I want us to discover as a church, so we can grow together to serve one another and build up God's kingdom. I could say so much more, but I'm going to stop there. Get quite excited about this subject. Because I love the idea of seeing each of you, whether you're young or old, going, actually, I've always thought that I'm not good enough. I always thought that I had to be something, because I'm not, I'm not a preachy type. I can't stand up at the front. I don't really, I've got nothing to give. And yet there's gifts of administration. There's gifts of prayer. There's one of the gifts that's listed is, is faith. Well, Peter will agree that faith is a gift. But that's a different kind of faith. But faith is a gift. And that kind of faith that doesn't matter what happens, you just, you just know and you hold on because you've got faith. When other people will crumble, you have faith. 